0: Welcome to the final episode of Series 10 of York Hospital Ball with Sean Newton. Sean joined York City back in 2016 and quickly became a fan favourite with his energy and passion and went on to play close to 200 games for the club, as well as winning the coveted Clubman of the Year trophy, a record equaling three times. This episode is sponsored by by Simon Malone, a local painter and decorator who offers a clean, tidy and professional approach to interior and exterior decorating. Simon is also a massive York City supporter whose details can be found in the Trusted Traders Age UK directory as well as on Instagram. This podcast series is recorded on behalf of York Hospital Radio, a local charity who rely on fundraising and donations to provide a service to patients in York Hospital. If you enjoy these interviews and are able to donate, no matter how big or small, then please do so via justgiving.com slash York Radio. That's justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio. But now for the final time this series, please enjoy the thoughts of Sean Newton.
1: First of all, thanks for joining us, Sean. Of course, five years spell at York City, you'll take up most of this interview, but I wanted to sort of touch upon your pre-York City career. And when I was doing my research, I noted that you were playing as a striker, I think in your youth for Tramia. So I just wondered what that was like and, and at what point did you start moving further and further back and uh, end up at left back?
2: Yeah, funny enough, it was I was took on by Evan um, when I was like seven and I played up front. I think it was because... My left foot, I could score goals from anywhere at that age. So I scored a load of goals, so I just played up front, and then we went from seven aside to 11. And I got put, I was playing left midfield and up front. And then I think with just there being no natural left footers, or they were hard to find to play a full-back. And I dropped back at Trammy and ended up becoming a left-back, and then played there for the rest of my career, really, apart from the odd spells in midfield or... Centre half as I got got older.
1: And another thing I saw that sort of caught my eye um was your two goals for Droilsden in the FA Cup second round against Chesterfield, which secured a third round tie with Ipswich, which as an eighteen year old I'm sure would have been making really good sort of headlines, only to find out that you you should have been suspended draws and draws were kicked out, which have I ended up you making the headlines for the wrong reasons. Just wonder what that must have been quite surreal and mad for, for someone of your age. And what was that just down to sort of like an admin error or something?
2: I think that was yeah, from the start to finish. The FA Cup was crazy because we played Darlington were top of league two. We played them away, drew nil-nil, then we beat them at all. And then that Chesterfield game, there was four games before it was actually finished. And even the fourth game ended up being the outcome it was. So the first one we went won the up. we got called off because of fog. So then we went back there. We ended up drawing. Then we got them back to the Droyleton's ground. They were winning 2-1. We had floodlight failure. Then that one got rescheduled. And then we won 2-1. I scored two. And then the next day I woke up. and It was actually, I was obviously still my mum and dad at the time. And back then there was a, a sports channel called Satanta Sports. I don't know if you remember it.
1: Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah sports
2: and Sky Sports. And they woke me up and just said, you need to see this. You're on, like, <laughs> you're on the Sky Sports news bit of saying that, um, should have been suspended for the game. It was a Chesterfield fan that had looked on the FA website and realised they should have been suspended, and it just literally blew up from there. We end up we had we have had a switch away in the third round. They were in the championship under Roy Keane, so they had like Ivan Campo and stuff playing, so it would have been good. But yeah, we ended up getting thrown out. I think what happened was because there was that many games in that round the secretary just got mixed up with when I was meant to be banned because I actually didn't play in one game thinking that game was my suspension and then played in a Chesterfield game but it was the wrong way around and to be fair the secretary was absolutely devastated Look, when I, when I think back
1: and it must have been devastating for you like I say you're, I think you were only 18 I think it worked out at the time it would have been a a great opportunity, wouldn't it, to have uh, played against, like you say, even Campo and people like that, and even face, face Roy Keane as a manager.
2: To be fair, I've never had a good affiliation with the FA Cup ever since that day. I've always either got beaten against teams I should have won against or got a draw, maybe that win, a great draw with the possible chances you could have got. So me and the FA Cup aren't really good mates, should yeah. I say, apart from when I go and watch Liverpool, they seem to do well. now.
1: And you got a good goal against Stockport, which we'll come on to later on, which was was in the FA Cup. So not all bad.
2: Yeah, that, oh, was that the, yeah, it was the FA Cup, weren't it? Yeah, that was on PC Sports, actually. yeah, that That's probably my highlight of the FA Cup. That, that game, to be fair, because I thought on the day, we were very good. And that season still hates me now when we'll, I think about we'll, it.
1: We'll, we'll come on to that. I mean, after playing for a few different clubs, you seem to sort of settle at Telford, over 100 appearances for them. You won promotion in 2011 to the conference. And I noticed you scored in both the semi-final and the final. looked like it was a good sort of association you had with them.
2: Oh yeah, it was I loved it there. The only reason I, I left was because Stockport actually came in for me and it was the chance to go full time. And I think I was at the age of twenty one, maybe twenty-two then if I'm think, if I'm right. So I thought it was a good time to do it and, and it was local to me to me home as well. But my time myself was brilliant from the minute I went there. I loved every minute of it and, Back then, you were getting 1,800 to two, 2,000 every week through the gates. It was a good stadium. Yeah, it was a great club to be at um, when I was there. And obviously, getting promotion always,
1: though. And that promotion final against and I know you got the first goal, I think, from the penalty spot, but I think, I think you score in the last minute as well, the team. And obviously, it must be great to win promotion in the last minute. I think you won 3 2.
2: Well, I think we were 2 1 down on, if I'm right, about 85 minutes. We scored off a free kick. I've crossed it and one of the centre-halves said it in, and then I think Phil Trainer scored in like the 93rd, 94th minute. It was basically the last kick of the game. It was an unbelievable day that way.
1: And your manager then was Andy Sinton, who I I remember playing for England. He was a sort of explosive winger, wasn't he? What... What was he like to play for? did he sort of join in training as well?
2: No, he, he never joined in training. But he was good, good manager. I don't think he actually managed anywhere after. No, after yeah, something. he hasn't. No, I was surprised at that. I
1: thought we yeah. did quite a good job at Telford, getting him promoted, and then. But I think then the first season again.
2: he got us promoted. He come in, and then in the second season I think he's he kept them in the conference, and then the, the third season I don't think they went on a that that great of a run. And I think either he walked or they got rid of him. But I'd imagine that either got a job in. Conference Norfolk again, you know, or maybe the league below, or whether he's just decided that it weren't for him in
1: the end. Yeah, he's, a, he's a, I think he's an ambassador now for QPR, so maybe yeah, he is, a, bit, yeah. a bit of an easier life than oh, most, yeah, know, at the non league level. I mean, speaking of England, I mean, you had five caps as well for England C around that time, and you scored against Malta. Again, these must be great sort of memories for you to look back on. I know you sort of come towards the end of your playing career now, but that must be something that you look back on with real pride.
2: Yeah, I loved, I loved going away with England because one, it was just you going away with the players you were in the at the time, the best form in the leagues they were in, all the clubs they were at, and you were treated like the first team. Everything that the first team would get, you'd get really, and you were playing against the real under twenty threes. So like when we, I think, I think we played Belgium in the final once because what they use, they use it as a feeder tournament for their proper under-21 championships, European mm-hmm. stuff and that. And I think they had Simon Mignolain, Goal, Toby Alderweireld, centre-half, who was at Tottenham and Vertonghen. So you're playing. I think on paper, our teams are like Hayes and Yedden, Joylisden, Telford, Oxford. And then you look at theirs, it's like Anderlecht, Den Haag, Club Bruges. It was just crazy, but we always seemed to hold that own. I remember we entered Poland and we'd just been told their forward had just gone for €3.5 million Euros to wear the Bremen. And we beat them two one I think Richard Brody scored in that game actually. So it was great experiences and I love I love every time I got called up for that, I loved it like
1: And have you still got all your sort of caps and your England shirts? Yeah, I've got
2: it? shirts and caps, yeah. That they uh, my mum likes to keep them, but she's got them all in hers. I'll probably get them back eventually when she lets me but she seems to keep all that type of memorabilia that I've got right
1: and, and you moved on you mentioned there to Stockport County a massive team worker there at non-league level and I think you only had one full season with them but that scored six times many of them free kicks and something that York City fans will remember you kind of taking free kicks and stuff was that something that you, you were always good at free kicks was it something you always practiced in your career after training and stuff?
2: I'd always worked on from even when I was a young age my dad just always worked on crossing and free kicks and shooting. I don't know, I even like any spare time I'd get, I always had like the Samba goals or we'd find somewhere where I could kick a ball at something and I'd have my own little net of balls. I'd, I'd done it till I was about 16, I'd say. And then obviously I went to then, into a youth team, so I was training every day. But up until then, I'd always worked on it. So I don't know, I think just constantly working on it all as a young lad coming through and then even after training, even at like at York from 27 to 32, 33, I'd always be the one after training, staying back and doing finishing with the likes of Paddy and doing free kicks just because there's nothing better than repetition for me doesn't always work, doesn't always sound as easy as what I'm making it, because it's not. You miss well more than you score, but the ones you score, you look back and think it's because I've been working hard on them in training and stuff, and I did work a lot on it in terms of... with me. I look back when I was younger, I was always out with my dad. After school, we were always out doing crossing drills and free kicks and finishing and stuff, so I think that's helped massively.
1: Was he quite a big influence on your dad growing up?
2: Yeah, he was. Not in terms of I had to do it. He'd just always offer. He'd always Mm. be there for me to... If I wanted to, every Saturday morning I'd go, and then I'd play for Tramir on a Sunday. That's when I was at Tamir, and I'd go Monday, Wednesday, Friday as well because I trained Tuesday, Thursday night at Tamir. So he was just any time I wanted to. He was always just, yeah, come on, let's go. I think he enjoyed it. Yeah, that's and that's that's how I remember it anyway.
1: Yeah, and whilst personally you may have performed well for Stockport, they were, they were relegated to the Conference North. weren't they? and losing four nil at Kidderminster on the final day, which I was reading the match report of that. I mean, it was a lot of disgruntled fans sort of spilling onto the pitch and I mean that must have been a really difficult atmosphere to to sort of be part of. It was
2: a strange year because Jim Gannon was there when I signed and I think we were about 16th and we had a lot of games in hand not to get near the playoffs but to be comfortable and we got a I think we got a new chairman or a new sporting director and then all of a sudden Jim Gannon was gone. And then we got this coach from from Holland. Didn't really speak much English, but we'd gone from like having two centre halves that were renowned for being like head kicker, not really technical, wanting to get on the ball out and start attacks. Because even back then, it weren't really thought of, especially going back ten years. And he just come in, and I was getting. We were in a bit of a relegation. We weren't in a relegation fight when he come in, but he was wanting us to split and play out, and we never had the players to do it. It was carnage. Kind of, we were trying to do things we just couldn't do as a team, and. Then he was there for about two months, and it was probably two months too long. He got the sack, and then I, th- I think yeah, a man called Ian Bogie come in. He was at Gateshead, that's right. yeah, yeah. I think I think he finished the season, but by the time he'd come in, it was it was too late. Like the damage was done because we'd gone two months without him winning a game, trying to play off from the back when we weren't good enough to do it.
1: And when you're doing and- that with, with their support as well, like, I can imagine that's difficult because they are so well supported at the Stockport. I mean, they they could get nine or ten thousand if they wanted, and if we we're on a roll.
2: Yeah, I think it was that was just a tough spell for the club there. And that last day was carnage. We had to win and rely on results and we knew at half-time that everyone everyone was winning, so we were down. Oh no, actually the game got stopped for 20 minutes, I think. So we were not changing, we got told that the teams were winning comfortably and it was over and we had to go back out for, like 50, 60 minutes. Yeah, that was tough, like it was a not a great day looking back.
1: And let's fast forward a couple of seasons. I mean, you, you signed for Wrexham after a couple of years at Lincoln. Gary Mills is first signing for Wrexham. I mean, what was it like playing for Gary? Because, I mean, he obviously took a shine to you. I mean, I looked, you know, you played every single game, I think, under him. He made you captain. He'd say things like, you know, I, I want 11 Sean Newtons out there. I mean, that must make you want to sort of run through a brick wall for him.
2: Yeah, he was at Gateshead and he tried to sign in the January from Lincoln. I was ready to sort of try and get closer to home because I'd been at Lincoln for two years and I just texted him in the summer because I'd seen he was linked with the tram here and Wrexham job just said I know you wanted me at Gateshead if you're still interested in it, and you go to any of them clubs keep me in mind and he said to me as soon as I get through the door in one I'll making my first sign and two to his word he got the Wrexham job and I was there first signing and from the minute I walked in I love I loved it just, as a bloke don't, I've not met many better than him some of the stories are exaggerated ridiculously but I've never been one, I'll get on to that more when we get to the York stage, but for me, it was brilliant to play for. Training Sessions were top draw. The first season at Wrexham, I'd I'd say up until maybe this year or the year before when they've got the new owners and been able to go and buy very good players, I'd say it was the best football Wrexham might have seen, especially until the January period. And then all of a sudden, we, we hit a bit of a brick wall, players lost a bit of form, and we just fell short of the playoffs in the end. And then the second year, I don't think the club, had the money. We had like Jamal Firefield, Moke, Connor Jennings, all them. Had offers on two-year deals at other clubs. And Wrexham could only commit two a year. And I think it was on a lot less money. And the lads were getting to the late 20s thinking, I need stability and I need to earn as much money out the game as I can. So we lost a lot of the core, the group that was good. And then the second season was tough, really.
1: The first season, I remember having Moke on... A few, se- a few series ago. And he-, and he said that that was almost as good as when he played for York in 2012 under Gary, which which was incredible. You know, as a, as a supporter, I think that's the best football I've ever seen York play in terms of the style of football. So so for Moke to say that the Wrexham football that was played was as good shows how how kind of highly he regarded it.
2: Honestly, we, I remember playing against Jordan Burrow was at Halifax. And I, rem- I remember we played Halifax. And we beat them 3-0. And I remember him saying to me, it's like he's a playing FIFA and everyone's just tapping X constantly because it was just, there was always a pass within five or ten yards so it was impossible to look bad and, as a player because no one was far enough away from you for you to put the ball at risk and we had Don Vose at the time, it was incredible and that was another thing that killed us. The, I think the club at the time needed money and they just sold him, got rid of him, it didn't even be in for him and he ended up going to Scunthorpe because I think Scunthorpe were in the football league and that, that had a big a big effect on the dressing room and and the squad because he was uh in a way messy because he'd give him the ball and if he was drawing nil nil he'd go and win the game one nil with a bit of brilliance so yeah it was it was just one of them things that had the things at my time I love me time there great club great fan base great to see them doing what they're doing now but it was just a bit of a strange time in terms of off the fields
1: yeah and and obviously that that relationship with Gary was clearly a key factor in you joining York City in October 2016 initially on on loan. I presume you had kind of no reservations once Gary came in and and Wrexham were selling all those players and were willing to accept an offer on you.
2: Well, yeah, another one that Wrexham fans will not even know. We were playing ball mud away, and uh, we were at the hotel and I knew nothing about it. And he's pulled me and gone, like, Newt, I thought you'd have a bit of respect for me. Like, if you wanted to leave, just, and I, I did not have a clue. I've gone, gaffer, I don't know what you're going on about. He said, filed, I've come in for you and the club have sort of accepted it or are willing to. So I've gone, honestly, I don't know what you're going on about. We need to find out. So apparently, filed in the league below in the Conference North, and they'd come in for me. And Rexham had sort of thought they might be able to get a bit of money for me, and said, "Yeah." So I've had a phone call. off filed, and obviously he's had a phone call. off filed. So we played Born and Wood, and then we—he was gone two weeks later. I was—I thought I was going to file. It was sort of done, really. And then he's phoned me and gone. I think I've got a chance at the York job. Would you come with me? So I said, "Yeah, hundred percent." I'd rather stay in this league than Yorks. To- a lot bigger club oh, i'd want to come so i held out he got the job and stuck to his word again and took me with
1: him and it's fair to say you know york fans enjoyed your passion and, and performances straight away and but the team was sort of, were battling against relegation what was the dressing room like because that that squad was massive wasn't it i mean half of it was was sort of Gary signings like yourself and John Parkin the the other work were sort of Jackie McNamara signings that had kind of got York into that kind of bad place in the first but what, what was it like having such a fractured dressing room I remember
2: my first day I went into the office and there was 37 names on the board and I said are they all still here and he said yeah he was like I think it was the, did I come at the end of November? He said to me, it's going to take us till the middle of January to get the squad down to where I want to be and get players I want in. But when we do, we'll have a right chance of staying up. So I believed in him and we were so close. It was just that till the end of January, we didn't really get everyone in that we needed to. But there's 37 players and he said to me, there's 13 that are good enough. And training, when I come, it was like we were doing 11 by 11 and there was lads standing on the side who couldn't even get in the 22-man. The 11 on the pitch, it was it was carnage at the time. But as I say, I think from January to the end of the season, the points tally would have got us in the top eight or nine. Yeah, yeah.
1: Stop,
2: top so ten. unlucky, so unlucky. And then you look back, the Wrexham game at home, I think we dropped points when we shouldn't have. It was, but they could have done that all season, to be honest. That, that year, we were so unlucky. Well,
1: you mentioned January there, and I was just going to kind of jump in and say, you know, the match against Barrow in the in the ninety-fourth minute, you, you scored a goal in front of a earster, a, a moment that, that you clearly savored sort of running around the back and and knee sliding in front of the fans. And it's also a goal that you didn't have a number on the back of your shirt and it sort of does the rounds, did it now and again that people think a fan had run on the pitch and, and scored. What what's your memories of that game and that and that goal? Well, the, the memories of the game was I remember I was playing Centre made that game and I've and I've gone in for the
2: tackle, and as I've gone in for the tackle and turned, one of the battle players is just, has just, his boots has just smacked me in the face. And as you can see, my me, me nose is bent now, but it was a mess. So I've gone over to the bench and just said I need the top, there was blood everywhere. And I have I think I finished the game, I had like two buds up my nose, it was, for 10 minutes when I come back on it, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And then I sort of got my wits about me again, and then I just remembered the, I think it was the Just when I got the ball and took a long throw. Seeing him sprint off the pitch to take a throw in was mad. And then Hamza was there in the last minute up front, won the first, that I think. And I think Morg's got something on it. And then I seen big John Parkin running at me, thinking, he's either going to take me out here or i need to get to the ball quick. And then I just remember sh- in the back of the net and the raw behind the goal was just, and I think that's maybe why I celebrated the way I did, because I just fed off that atmosphere. Um, it was probably one of the best I've ever felt off scoring a goal. And uh, yeah, it was, as I say, even now, me little sister's got TikTok and she'll be like, your goal's on again here. <laughs> it's another one that thinks it's a, a fan that's running the pitch in a full kit. It's, it's a crazy, it's, I, it got put on Twitter
1: yesterday as well, I think. Yeah, it did, didn't it? And to be honest, I didn't realise that John Parkinson sort of far smashed one of the Barrow players in celebration as well, didn't he, running off?
2: Yeah, and he ran off, tapped one, of, the, I think he tapped one on the, he'd been in a battle with all all afternoon, he tapped one of them on the line on the head that was party to a Cedar.
1: And, Like you mentioned there before, you know, and I've got it written down here about how good York's form was that second half of the season. It it must have been really demoralising to sort of come in every week after getting results like that Barrow one and and just finding you were never pulling clear of danger. It must have been quite difficult for the players to kind of put all that effort into training all week, getting the good form, getting the results and, and still seeing other teams win at the same time.
2: Yeah, it was especially like them. You come in and you've won ninety-fourth minute and you're checking it's first thing every after every game that's at the end that's the Remember, everyone was just on the phones. Have we moved the place So we gained on anyone? And every time we seem to win, do the other teams would win? And when we drop points, do the teams drop wins. So like it was the same teams constantly in that little battle to, to get out. And the last day against Forest Green. I've i I've watched that goal back even now. The guys they go and what that keeper is doing, coming that far to punch a ball and seeing it drop, it, honestly.
1: That, that Forest Green game as well, you know, I've, I've written down here, but you had sort of like a half chance, didn't you, towards the end that could have made it 3-2. Oh, it was um, on your right foot. It was on, on your right foot. And I just wonder, did that sort of replay in your mind the next couple of weeks afterwards? Because it it wasn't a... A, guilt, a chance or anything like that was it, but but it it did drop to you and and, and I think it was if
2: it drops on my left foot and I miss, I'm probably eating eating myself up about it more so. Yeah,
1: because
2: if it drops on my left foot, I'm thinking I've got a chance here. But with it dropping on my right, I was thinking it's a great chance. I should hit the target realistically, but it wasn't as demoralising for me as it was if it was on my left foot and I'd done it because it was a bit like it's just dropped to me. And I've, but yeah, it's, again, it starts... And, and the, si- the silence at the end,
1: Sean. I mean. I've never known anything in football like it. I, never. It was just eerie, wasn't it? It was, it was almost like... Well, I don't know what it was like. It was, it was just surreal that that whistle went, and for no one to even cheer, boo, nothing, clap, nothing. It was just silent, wasn't it? It was like a like a minute silence at the start of a game. It was, it was eerie. Yeah, I th- it was so mad as well. I just remember because th-
2: I think our game was going on longer than theirs, weren't it? Or oh, was theirs going on longer than
1: ours? I think
2: I think they'd finish sure was they going on longer. It. I think we were in like the late 80s and the ball's gone out by the bench and i have just heard them say we're in a good position. And literally we've gone from the dugout up, end up being a goal kick to get them back to everyone on the bench saying we need to go. And like on the pitch, it was like, wow. And again that might not have that might not have helped me snapping and like snatching that my shot because I've known it's needed. It's just it just become carnist in the last five, ten minutes and I get that goal. And then yeah, the silence was not unlike I have watched it back on the on the video as well, the highlights, and even the silence on that, it's it's not unlike I don't think any football stadium we'll have ever witnessed or see yeah. again.
1: I mean if you watch it on YouTube, it's almost like someone's knocked the volume off, isn't it? It's it's, it's like your volume's cut out. And and, and and like you mentioned there, that was quite an interesting point, really, about the fact that you thought you were safe, and everyone—it's so hard, isn't it—to then switch the tempo back on. to all of a sudden, go from that trying to keep it contained and try to slow slow the clock down a little bit. To then all of a sudden try try get everyone up and and attacking again. It's not—you can't switch it on like a tap, can you? Tempo? No, you can't. And
2: maybe that's that's again certainly look back. I think we should have just kept going and going, trying to get the win regardless. But with it, with it being a point being enough that if you go for the win, you concede. Because I think at the time they they needed the result to make sure they got in the position where they were at home in the playoffs. So it weren't as if they had nothing to play for. I don't think if I remember rightly.
1: Yeah, I think they were fairly secure because I think they did rest of quite a few players. But but they didn't they didn't want to get injured. I think that's what I almost felt about that game when we were commentating on hospital radio. We almost sort of said it felt like they weren't as full full blooded as as kind of York City were on the day. They didn't didn't kind of want to getting to fifty fifties that that had rolled them out of the playoffs or anything. But it was um even in that game I remember
2: my chance at the end, Ace the Hall's header, Vidane Oliver in the first half. Yeah. That we could have really won it out of been out of sight.
1: Yeah, that's that's football, isn't it? I mean I mean personally for you, you you won Clubman of the year for the first time, which I'm sure you would have traded it for staying up. But that that must have been nice to have been sort of recognized by supporters. I would say the are playing at Wembley to stay up
2: honestly. Because even after even like that day was incredible. And it'll probably be one of because every, every boys team has to play at Wembley in a competitive game. But even after that game going home, it still felt like it still felt like it didn't I wouldn't say it was a loss, but it just didn't feel as good as it should have. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, at the end of that season, it was from what had happened and it weren't like we've been relegated and it was we were ten points off. We got beat, we got relegated in the last minute with the last kick of the game from a from a keeper. It it was a, it was a weird, weird one. Yeah, it's not something that you're in the summer, you're like, wow, we've just won at Wembley. It wasn't that type of feeling. It was like, you look back and think... Because most I mean, people are like, wow, we've won at Wembley. What an unbelievable achievement. But it wasn't because of what how bad that
1: last game of the season was. And how it yeah. ended. I mean, the players then, did, did pretty well to to sort of refocus themselves for Wembley, really. Because I, I, I felt as a supporter, I mean, even though I was getting a chance to commentate at Wembley again, I'd, I'd commentated once before, but every time to commentate at Wembley, is just unbelievable but even even then going to concert at Wembley it didn't feel again it was like I wish we were staying up and coming to Wembley it would have been a, such a much a better feeling but at, at Wembley you know you, you did a fantastic ball for, for Dan Oliver's goal you know you played really well on the day we, did you, I presume you'd have had family and friends there watching you and like you said it's everybody's dream isn't it to play at Wembley?
2: Yeah I got I got my young cousin to walk on the pitch with us out and I had like I think I had a minibus and a couple of cars that had gone down for the day. Um, so in terms of for me, family, it was a great day out. Like, and I've still got to the day I haven't opened it. I got the Man of the match champagne and stuff, so I've got memorabilia from the day. I've got the top and stuff. Yeah, it was, in terms of all that like, for me, family and that, like, it was a great day out for them. And one that you can I'll, when I finish playing, I look back on and think like it was, It is a great achievement to play at Wembley uh, and win a competitive game there. But at that time, it was hard to look at it like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you committed to York pretty much straight away. I, I presume that was because it was a completely different situation to, to say when you were relegated with Stockport. Did, did it, you have a well, to move elsewhere, or were you always going to stay at York?
2: What happened was when I first come to York, I signed on loan from the November to the January, and then I would signed eighteen months. And then in the summer, Motherwell coming for me after the Wembley game, Motherwell, and I think Ebbsfleet offered a pay the well were willing to pay a fee for me, but Motherwell couldn't pay a fee. So actually, didn't I was thinking it's London. The money was um, like great for the level, but I was thinking about stay at York and be be able to get home and see me family and stuff. The Motherwell one, I asked the question. I just said this because the SPL range is Celtic. I was yeah, thinking I don't know if yeah. I'll ever get this opportunity again, and the the club said no. And I had a year on my contract, so I couldn't do nothing about it. So it, it was literally I just I, I just stayed at York then for that year.
1: Yeah. And the 17-18 season, you scored ten times, nine times in the league. But the club came a hugely disappointing 11th place. Gary Mills was sacked, Martin Gray came in. Do you think it was just that sort of upheaval between the two managers and that, that why the team did so poor? Because John Parkham was obviously still banging in all the goals, but it, it just felt that once Martin came in, it was, it was a bit of a transition period, wasn't it? See, as
2: a player, it's mad when you're cause to a fan. Because even though you're all at the same club, your opinions and the way you view things are just totally different from a player to a fan. And for me, I think we played FC United at home on the Monday, and we had to send them off early doors. And but we at uh, 30 minutes, and I think we drew. But realistically, I, we should. I think what it was was we were York. We should be beating these at home, even with 10 men. That was the. And then we played South Shields, and we lost. But in hindsight, we were only four points off Salford. Whose budget was outrageous that year under Gary Mills. We just had a bit of a little bit of a blip at that time. And I think we then got rid of him, signed a couple of players with Martin Gray and stuff. And then I just don't think it clicked being a player at that time. I just didn't feel like there was a full togetherness where there was under with Mills and the players that were there. We just had a little bit of a bad time against your FC United, your South Shields. There might have been one more before that we didn't we didn't win.
1: Well, we lost. We lost at Harrogate two 0 I think that was one of the games that. Yeah, I think that, we played Harrogate. People started to turn. Season. Yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, I think we were
2: four points off top still. Yeah. and and beating Salford in the FA Cup as well. Yeah, I don't. We went a million miles away, and then all of a sudden, Mills went, and it just seemed to have a knock-on effect. We just seemed to—I don't know what it was. We just didn't seem to kick on from there. It was just you like a. Win one, lose one, win, win two, lose two. It weren't like a three or four games where we'd go and beat him.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the likes of yourself and, you know, Dan Parslow and, and John Parker, you'd all sort of signed for Gary. We, you you almost have been pretty, pretty disappointed when he was sacked. Yeah. Listen, you know, whenever any manager
2: goes, you don't want to see anyone lose the job. It's not nice, especially in football, because it's not as if you can just go and get another job, like with a click of the finger. But it was just like. You, it's because it's happened that many times in football. Like You'll have a manager and then a new manager's in. It, it's just, it, it, you sort of just get on with it. it sometimes you're not know, as happy as you are with other managers going. So there was managers at York where, when they went, I was more happy than others. But it's just it's one of them. When he, when he went, I was gutted. But you just have to carry on,
1: really. Yeah. What, what was your relationship like
2: with Martin Gray? All right. He was all right. He was sound. He worked hard. That's one thing he did do. He, he did work hard. I don't know what it was. Why it didn't work?
1: There was flashes, wasn't there, where, where I, I always felt like it was gonna turn a little bit. Like when we won at Darlington two one. I think you you got the winner as well that day. Going back to Martin Gray's old club, where clearly you got a lot of stick and and for York to kind of win there with the likes of David Ferguson and you know Adam Butler going back as well. It, it was it seemed like a big big win at the time, but then like you say, they never really kicked on at the time. The club and they never could really string three or four decent results together on on the bounce. No, and I think even the last day,
2: at the last day of that season, I swear, if results were I went, we won. Yeah, we could have got best. the playoffs. Yeah. Crazy, but we ended up finishing 11th. It's mad. Because there only five teams that were going to the playoffs then, wasn't there, yeah. as well? So we could have finished 5th on the last day. And that just shows how inconsistent it was that year, which was frustrating.
1: Yeah, and the, and the following season, I think you struggled a bit for fitness at the start, and Martin Gray was sacked really early on. Sam Collins came I in. I told me, yeah. I think it's I fair to say you, you and Matt, uh, you and Sam probably didn't really get on, and it was rumored that you refused to play for the club. And well, do you know what? Do you think you'd played the last, your last game for for York at that point?
2: I, do you know, as a player of a club, and the way it had been put out there and gone, I knew that if I said anything or t- told the truth, it would come back on me that I'm the one that's trying to stiff the manager up. So I never done it. I just thought, just keep your head down and crack on. I never refused to play for the club. Never, my, my whole time at that club, I never. Ever refused to play. What had happened was I'd been rushed back fit, stayed behind after saying I'd done my own running. And we went to Darlington away and I was on the bench. Alex Bray got sent off 5-1. I think i come on a 4-0 actually eh, for the last 10 minutes. So I think Ferguson got whacked in the face. So we were playing midweek then against, oh, I might might have been Blythe. So he pulled me and was like, I'm going to start you, get yourself right. So I'd done all kinds, put the squad up. I'm not in the squad. And bear in man, I was in the game squad the game before, and he pulled me and said I was playing. So I've just gone. I, I very rarely went into a manager's office. I've gone in and just said, "What's what's going on?" You told me I was on the bench last game. You told me I was starting this game, and I'm not in the squad. And he literally said, "I don't know if you're ready. You've missed a lot of football. I need. I'm at a stage where I need a win." So I said, "Well, the only way I'm going to get to that stage is if I play games." So then we'd we'd actually agreed mutually. That I'd go on loan. So I agree the loan move. They went to Blive, I think, and lost 2-1, I think. And then they were playing Darlington and they'd get it all. But I was meant to be going on loan after the Darlington game. And I was I was actually sick as well, to be fair. And then all of a sudden I got a text off my mum saying, Why are you refusing to play? And I was like, What are you on about? She was like, It's all over York. I've put it out there on the radio and stuff. And then Carl Griffiths was injured and he said, No, it's the So I don't know who it was that. I'd leaked it to the press or what. But I, I think I went and spoke to the press at the time and said, listen, I don't mind you telling thinking I'm a bad player, but you're questioning my like the way I live my life here in terms of refusing to play for a football club that I'm getting paid to play for. Like that's not the case. I said someone to you know all the stories, you can't just say stuff like that. I've had my mum text me questioning me. It's not nice for it to it. And I just left it at that. But the the truth is that that is what happened I was meant to be going on loan. Funny enough it was to be going back to Stockport on loan. I'd even told I had to speak to them. And then I think whatever happened, it all came out. And then whatever happened fell through.
1: And then I think he got distracted a week later. That's right. Yeah, he lost at Curzon. Yeah. He was sacked after that. Do you think it's sort of that rumour set the tone for the supporters? Because I always think with York supporters, they are very divided on on how they feel about Sean Newton as a as a player and as a person for whatever reason. And do you think that that rumor sort of set that something? Because I, I must admit, me, even me looking back, when I heard that you'd refuse to play, because obviously I was sat alongside Radio York at the time, I, you'd be the same if a Liverpool player refused to play. You'd be sort of quite, maybe think differently about a player. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: I, yeah, I'd be outraged. But I mean, on my me little baby's life, I, ne- I never, ever once said, I'm not playing for this club. Never. Uh, but I just didn't think it was right for me to start shouting that because at the time, I knew what had come back. I, will, I thought what would come back would be, you're a disgrace, you're lying. I just thought that that would have been the response with what it would got. So I thought, you know what, just keep your head down, see what happens. And then, obviously, he went, Steve Watson come in, was told. And I think everybody at the club, behind the scenes, apart from the staff or whoever it was that had said it, Knew that I hadn't done that, and the players knew that because the end of the day, players aren't going to want you in a dressing room if you're saying you're refusing to play and go and help them after they just lost all lost two on the run, and I would ne- I never done that. So Steve Watson come in, I had a conversation with him, and it was a it was a bit of a fresh air for me. He just said, "Get your head down and do what I know you can do, and you'll be in my plans." And then I just I never looked back
1: under him then. Yeah, I was going to say, did, did I've got here? Did Steve Watson sort of save your York City career really? If he'd have not come in and it'd been someone else, and
2: well, regardless of what the f- what the fans thought at that time, I was always going to stay and have a go under a new manager. It'd have been stupid of me not to, because um, I didn't want to leave. I love the club, <laughs> still do now. I know people will, will think I hate it, or fans, some fans might do, because even the way it ended wasn't the full truth as well. It's so weird. Me, time, when I look back, it's like a theatre script. But I was always going to try and stay and fight for my place. And then if Steve Watt had said to me, "Listen, you're not for me." That's fair enough then, that's a manager's opinion and then you do move on. So that's what happened. I played against Stockport, he took me out but said, don't worry, Like you, you've done okay for your first game in a long time, you'll be back in and then when you're back in, take your chance and then I come back in against Ashton at home, I think we won 1-0 and then they created a good little
1: bond with Murphy. Yeah, Dave Murphy. yeah.
2: And then just from then to the end of the season, I,
1: I finished the season reasonably strong, I thought you won't play every year, didn't you? Again, your second time, which which was you know strange, really, because like I said, there'd been that that kind of upheaval the first half of the season where you didn't play much, and then that rumour sort of fall out, and then meant to win it was that strange you sort of collecting it, knowing that kind if of- I'm being
2: honest, that season I didn't deserve it because I I, th- I started the season I thought really well, like we beat Stockport at home, and then a dummy knee against Alfreton was out for I think I was out for six weeks come back and then a dummy green and then that's when Sam Collins come in and then from when he left to from Steve Watson the season I'd like to think I was probably up there in terms like most consistent but for a, I think for the full season I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have said I deserved it but I can't then refuse a, no that's not nothing given to me do you know what I mean it was that one was a strange one for me I, I'll admit that that did yeah. feel a bit weird taking that one but mm. as you've got to accept that fans have voted for you and I'm still grateful for them voting for me.
1: Did, did that sort of make you feel that maybe more fans were back on your side, that, the fact they had voted for you, giving you confidence yeah, always, for the next season? Yeah, I always
2: like you've just said, I always knew I split the opinions on the pitch and off the pitch. Even the story, I've seen that. People were saying that I'd refused for a model, a modelling thing. I've never been a model. <laughs> I've never been a model. So... What happened was there was a sport this sport event for Adidas. It was with Firmino Salah and there was another Liverpool player. And it was on the Tuesday and Wednesday, and we were off on the Wednesday anyway. And I was it was just in conversation with the with the gaffer because it was after training. And the gaffer was like, Well, we're not doing much. I'd agreed with him to go on the Tuesday and the Wednesday. So I hadn't I hadn't just refused to go to football and the day that I went and seen Jordan that I think it was on Jordan Young's podcast it was on the Wednesday and it, that's it you know it's, it's like spreads like wildfire I've refused to go in and it's crazy but again I just thought just let it slide it's no putting because whatever I just feel like if you ever try and then jump to defend yourself it, it just looks like you're guilty but then also I'm not saying nothing can look like it's guilty as well so I just thought just keep your head down and try and play well and it'll be forgotten
1: about. I heard that that podcast, Steve McNulty, wasn't it on John Hughes yeah. and um, Gareth Seddon's, wasn't it? I think, and and I think it was almost like a trying to be a funny story, and, and maybe you were at the. The I kind think of even of it. But again you know as out. a fan that I, I was sort of thinking that at the time I was thinking well if he did refuse to play and now he's missing trick, you know he, and it's easy to see why why supporters were questioning it but it's good that you can you know you can speak about your your side of it yeah that's what this is about
2: it is what it is it's people even even mm-hmm. now, probably people won't believe it but it's just that it is what it is that's what that's yeah. the truth about it
1: I'll, I'll cross out the question then about whether you're going to be a model in the future oh no chance <laughs> not with this big no, <laughs> <laughs> and i mean the following season 19 20, you know, it really felt like the team were getting it together, like finally sort of hopefully getting promoted again and uh, back back to the National League, top of the league until November. I mean, yourself, Steve McNulty and Joe Tate had a really good sort of strong defensive partnership. I think we hardly conceded a goal those first few months. You know, David Ferguson bombing on, he was Really, at his sort of peak, I think, for York and Pete Jameson. He got it all felt like as a defensive unit, it was all coming together. I know Dan Maguire was struggling with fitness, but did you sort of feel as players that, that you know, it, it was, you know, this was the time to sort of get promoted that season? It's,
2: it's easy for me to say, but I have no doubt in my mind if we didn't get it with the pandemic, we'd get promoted that year. But we're not through the playoffs, we win the league. Kings had gone. I think in the last six games, they'd played teams in the bottom eight and they took like four or five points. They had gone and we just picked up form. Again, I think we just beat Alfred in 3-0. We'd had a little spell and what. I know at the time, people might have went, even fans were getting on out. I remember a few fans had to go at Jordan Burrow. After, I think we got beat 4-0 at home against Ariford. Yeah, And a few fans had to go at Jordan, uh, Jordan Burrow outside the ground and it was a bit um, a bit aggressive. Like I remember the lads speaking about it. But what you've got to remember is in the Conference North, you're never going to steamroll a season because you've got players who, can play higher, but they're also not consistent enough as a group to do it all season. So what you need to do is you need to make your bad spell, not last as long as as others. And I think ours didn't last as long as the others. And King's were going through theirs. I thought at a terrible time, because it was coming to the end of the season, it was like end of Feb, start of March, and we just kicked on again. And they were running out of games. And I know for a fact they got their game called off me personally, because if they'd have played and lost, their points per game would have changed and we'd have gone up. So they they called their game off on the Tuesday, knowing that if, if it went if it went to points a game after that, that they'd stay top of the league. And I'm adamant that they knew that's why they'd done that.
1: I mean they, they were run, running an empty word. I think I think they lost it home to Bradford Park Avenue, who were who only had about six points all Black, season. He, I mean they, they, lost, they were relegated. Yeah, it, it was. I think they had so many games to play in a short space of time. Didn't they? But I think it was just they just didn't have the the kind of energy to do it. But, but do you look back on certain games like the Hereford one and maybe playing Kings Lynn? As well, a way that that they were just kind of ones that got away. That even just getting a point in either of those would have would have seen us. In the, league.
2: in the way I thought we were good on. They I thought we should do hundred percent deserve the draw. But there's there's other games as well that like you look back on that season and even at that season i was still think of that season for a long time because it had been there was one thing I wanted to do at York is finish a full season and get promoted before I left. And I'll always look back at that season and think for the team to play so well. It's again this we had the Jessamine I mean, was brilliant. At Booth and Crescent as well. It was it was special that season, and it will be one that I even when I stop playing, I'll always think, "What if?" But yeah, I do honestly believe that that season it come together. The players we had, the group we had, it, it just felt like something was going to happen that year. Yeah.
1: And and you mentioned about Booth and Crescent, and and we touched upon it earlier about a game against Stockport on, T- on BT Sport and the FA Cup. It was you know you scored a really good goal from from distance, and the atmosphere that that night was really really good, wasn't it? Was it? You know was it special for you as a as a player? Night
2: games, I know that was a Saturday, but I think it was an half-half kickoff. It was a late one weren't it? Night games, they're not better. They were always they were always brilliant. Great nights. Even the winter nights, it was just something different about the place under the footlights. And it's sad. <laughs> but as you say, the year that you move as a club, you go and get promoted, maybe it was the right time. I know fans might not want to hear that, but I feel like the, the new grounds becoming a bit of a fortress now, the atmosphere that it's creating I see stuff on social media and the fans behind the goal and stuff. It's it's like they've they've made it the home now. It's good to see, like,
1: yeah. And I mean, we mentioned there about about losing out to Kings Lynn, but York did obviously have a have another chance to to get promoted through the playoffs and just didn't turn up against do And I mean, it was it was strange all the games behind closed doors. And I was I was fortunate enough to sort of have the opportunity to commentate on it. But why did it not work out against Ulster? Was it was it the fact that they'd played the week before or? I think, well, I think as well, this sounds mad now looking back, but we went back, so we
2: went back the same time as every other team. But when we went back, we were going back in groups of six. So we were training individually in a six and we were just running, running with a ball and we were doing passing drills where we were like 10, 20 yards away. And then after the first week, we had teams doing normal training sessions. So we were already a week behind in terms of that stuff. And then we were told that we couldn't have a a friendly the second week. Then we found out teams had had friendlies. Yeah, that they were it meant to. And then it comes to the third week and then we got the chance of one friendly against Halifax, I think it was. We'd done really well in the game, but it just felt weird because even up until the, the semi-final get to the game, we'd only train with each other as a group three times, a full group, maybe four. Because a two-week player, you were in sixes and then you split up into two groups of 10 or 12 and then you come together for the last few sessions. So it weren't like we'd been able to completely work on stuff or and we hadn't seen each other for a for a while. It was a strange strange but and then and then as well you are thinking the other teams are the same but they weren't. They'd been trained together fully from the start. They'd went back, whether we were a bit naive to the situation or not, or we'd done things completely right, who knows. But and as well, I think at that point players were out of contract and some might have agreed deals elsewhere and I don't know. It's just it was just a strange but even on the day, I think Altie weren't brilliant. I've watched it back, and I think, I think I at the bar. I think we do have a few chances, but I don't think they were. I don't think they were at it themselves compared to the Alties that played against in the past. They just took the chances they had.
1: Yeah, I mean Kempster had a great chance, didn't he, early on? Yeah, yeah. Almost a, great chance. Almost a bit like uh, the Dan Oliver in the Forest Green game. It was one of those sort of if, if only that had gone in, would it have changed the complexion of the game?
2: Well, goals do. Um, and nine times out of ten, it does change the game for you if you go and score. But as you say, it's one of them it's What you look back on and think, what if?
1: Yeah, the frustration for, for, for kind of you and the team. And but you, you were named in the team of the year, club and of the year for for another time. You know, equal joint third again. We were you kind of. I'm sure you would have swapped it for promotion. But but was that almost your peak season in the Yorkshire? Do you think? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I think I never missed a game all year. And then, obviously, you get voted. I think that that
2: National League North team of the year, it's voted by the managers as well, which is a good one, because, obviously, you're rated by the majority of managers. They've rated you as one of the best. So, yeah, I'd say that year, it was probably my best, most consistent year at the club, definitely. I think the first six months I joined was up there, I thought. Most weeks, I was good. And then that season, I thought I had a, a
1: strong season, yeah, definitely. And the next season as well. To be fair, you know he's got a lot of goals, a lot of free kicks as well. I remember? Yeah, I think to away. be fair, yeah. Bit, done,
2: I thought I played well that year as well, but then like got cut short, and then we come back with the fans, and then second game in, I get a stress and do I'm out for four months. Yeah, but that was
1: it was a cluster away, I think, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I'd done it in the first half and tried to carry on, but and then got in half time and you couldn't see anything of, of me knee. I strapped it up because I think we only had kids on the bench, and I was thinking. It's not a game for the kids to go on here, like that. so. It's in a way I've ended up hurting myself probably more by trying to not stitch the kids up by going on a game where we were under the cosh a bit. And then I've got to a point; they scored the second, and I thought, "Oh hey, my kid, near, and I just need to get off here." I've gone off, gone for the next thing. It was,
1: a stress factor Yeah. And you made it back in the team, but Steve Watson was sacked. John Askey came in. Results were were still inconsistent. I remember. Losing at Gateshead and the players particularly getting getting some stick. And then it, it sort of came to a head for you after a 3-0 home defeat to Bradford Park Avenue. And then you made the decision not to play, I think, because of uh, the sort of level of abuse that you were receiving and and saying that you know it was affecting your mental health. I just wondered, was that because of supporters at, at that game? Was it was it social media related? What 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 made you come to that that decision? Because I imagine you, you would have taken that lightly. It was a weird one. I just come to a point after that game because a lot a lot of the abuse in the end
2: wasn't football related, so I just got to a point where I thought, I think, I think my time is done. I just said, I just went into the gaffer after the game and just said, "Listen, that's not normal, really. Like I've never seen that playing in the terms of the abuse and stuff and social media that I did, I did, I did get some bad ones, but I, again, it, it is what it is. It, I just, just thought, I just said to him, I don't, I don't want it to get to a point where it's going to affect me mentally and I'm taking it on me constantly. And I said, maybe it's time." That for me to go and the club to just go now and part ways before it gets to a point where it gets ridiculous because I felt I felt I was getting more angry with it as well. Cause I, I don't I don't mind opinions on me being crap off football every week. I get told, told it, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> my dad tells me it still now. It's <laughs> but then it's just when it becomes a personal and I'm thinking, I can't even do nothing about this. So it was that was getting to me like it was because it's like the only way I can explain this, it it's like me coming to your job and not tell, not even telling you you bad at your job. Telling you about your appearance, your, your scouts, this, that. I had it all. I had it all. I even thought as well, if I go, it'll take a, it'll take a bit off the slack off the lads. I honestly believed that. That's what I was, my thought process was. It's time for you to go. I knew it was. It'll take pressure off everyone else at the club. Did, did John try to talk you talk you around? He didn't want me to go. I, I love John Askey. What a guy. Great man, great manager. Um, I actually said to him, you've come to the club at just the wrong time for me. Like, my this is my end and it's your start. I had a great conversation with him. He, he, he'd done everything he could to try and keep me... Um, I know the fans weren't happy with my performance at the time, but I look back at... People think this is crazy, but Alfa and Alon against Big Matt Reed. we won 1-0. I thought I was very good in that. I had a horrendous game against Buxton. I'd been out for four months. i trained four days and I got put left back with injuries. Hey, I got asked to do a job. Now on am one that's never going to shy away. In hindsight, if I got asked to do it now, with I say, no, it's not right? Probably. But I was that desperate to play. I had a horrendous game. I was not, I just felt miles off the pace. But I was out of position as well for, for me age and how long I'd been out. But then I went away to Kears and Ashton. The next game, played centre-half, kept a clean sheet. I thought I played really well again. There was times when I'd come back where even when I was... And fans, football's all about opinions. Fans will think I didn't play well. But I think as a person playing, and you've played a lot of games, you know yourself if you've done well or not. And I'll own my hands up when I've been crap boxed, and I was crap, and I was. But then, like, there's games like Alfred and the Brava part having you 3-0 game. I don't think I was a fault for any of the goals. And in terms of getting on the ball, uh, there's tackles, I actually thought, and you might even tell me I'm wrong here, I actually don't think I was as bad as what I was, the abuse I was getting. And in terms of the players on the pitch as well, I don't think I was... I know myself when I've had a bad game. And I know myself when I've been below. I don't think I was as bad as... So it just comes to a point where I thought, I'm at a point here where it's literally time to go. And then that's what happened. I just had a conversation. He said, I'd actually ain't me growing as well in that game, so I weren't even fit for the next game. So the gaffer just said, have time at home with your family and come back to training after the next training session after the game and we'll see where you're at. And I come back and I just said, listen, I've had a good thing. I think for the club, me and the fans, it is best. It is best. I just we just go our separate ways. I've loved it here. Yeah. Loved the club, not never changed that. I love the people at the club. But I do think it's best that I do go now. And to be fair to him, he said he'll do everything he possibly can to help me. But I just couldn't sign for anyone in the same league. But out of respect for them, standing by my wishes, I was always gonna stand by theirs. It was was what it was at the time, and that that's how it was.
1: D- did did you feel that you know, because because you had that incident with, with Sam Collins that we talked about earlier and and you kinda had to win the fans back, which which you clearly did, did you sort of ever think, Well, I've proved myself before and I'll prove myself again? Or, or did, was it just you, you just felt that, that that was that was your time done? Just felt like the previous chairman and Dave Penny and then me
2: as well. I felt like I was becoming part of all of it as well. So I just I just thought I didn't really think about like I've like as I said to you before, like I got a bit of stick and then Steve Water coming. I thought, I don't want to go here, I'll win it. I just thought at my age, at the time it was, I was probably ready for part time and to settle down. My missus was going to be due with my first baby in March. With everything in hindsight and thinking more family related and saying rather a the little one and being at home with missus more because I was I was staying in York four nights a week. So I'd have been away with everything. It just weighed more to it is time to just leave now. And that,
1: that's what it was, really. It's interesting as well, because you mentioned there about, and I've got this written down here as a question, that I felt you were almost guilty by association a little bit. And you mentioned there about McGill and Dave Penny, and and you were sort of part of that, that team who had failed to sort of get promoted. And, and that, that, night, that night against Bradford Park Avenue, for my money, you were no worse than anyone else on the pitch. But maybe because you were captain of a side that wasn't, you know, again, underperforming in the National League North that you were. Whereas someone like like Paddy, who York City fans have got a lot of time for, I've got a lot of time for, but he was he was part of the 2012 side that that got promoted. And almost, sort of, even if Paddy had 10 bad games in a row, I don't mean anyone would give him any stick, you know, because because of his association with that type. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but Paddy's a, Paddy's a, a god, isn't he? No one can have oh, a Oh, bat- bat- absolutely, bat- yeah, bat- yeah, yeah. He is a top top man, Paddy. I know ruffle feathers. That's just my personality. I can't change that. I've done things or said things that I look back and think I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, of course, but that's just that's just living life. You make mistakes. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. the only way I can explain Paddy is he's very he thinks a lot. He's clever. He's he does the right thing. He's mm. he's a, just a, I've, I couldn't speak any higher of Paddy. I think you, I
1: was more I was more meaning that if you'd have been part of a twenty twelve side having a bad game no, against just, Bradford Park. You wouldn't, uh, you know, you might not have had the scouts, whatever, or, or, or that's that's more what I mean. Rather than Paddy as a as a as a player or an individual as an example, I just mean the association.
2: Maybe, maybe I don't know. But even then, I've said I've said stuff back to fans after games. I've never there was one there I'd offered the fan out. I'd never offered the fan out. He was calling me all kinds, cunts and everything, and I just said, "Do me a favour. like I did say, like "fuck off," basically sorry to swear. And then it was like that. Just and I shouldn't. I should have just walked on. But it went football related. It was like walking past on the street and they're screaming at you. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. I should, realistically looking back now. Would I just walk past and not say nothing? Yes. Was it the right thing that I did? No. But at that time, I'm very much high rate as a player. I like screaming. i win or lose. People might think I don't care after losing. I do. I do. And then. So it, it's just it's I've done I've obviously done things that I regret one hundred percent but again it it what happens with football is it does it does stick and when things do go wrong it is easy then to for that to get brought up or be thought of definitely
1: and just final thing on it was one of those regrets sort of going straight down the tunnel after the Bradford game because that that is something that I think got labelled at you at the time but, about not caring and just straight down the tunnel and you know didn't acknowledge I, the I
2: think at that point it was. I think behind the goal. I don't know if you remember. There was a. I remember just we. Uh, I was waiting for. I think it was Peter passing me the ball, and there was a full chance. It was a chance about me. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I, and then I'm thinking, and I seem like I'm a disgrace. Then go and clap them. But then I'm thinking, I know it's not all the fans, because I know that a lot of fans. I've I've got a great relationship with loads of York fans, but it was at that point where we've just been beefing three nil. I've just heard a song about me getting sung. I just thought, what's going on here? So my natural instinct was, get me in this changing room, get me showered, and get me home to my get me home. Do you know what I mean? To people you need around you. That's all. That was. I, it was just one of them where if, if the ground could swallow me up, I'd have loved it too. The way the game went, whatever was sung, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I remember even saying to Paddy. And Paddy was like, "Wow, <laughs> it was one of them moments where I've just thought, yeah, I'm done. That's yeah. what that game was." That's the only reason why I can explain walking straight down the tunnel after. It was an accumulation, the defeat, how we've lost. It was against, no disrespect to them. And then with everything that had gone on around the stadium, I just needed to get off the pitch. Was that right? Probably not. I should have maybe clapped the fans that, on a whole, clapped them as not a small section or whatever it was. Just, But it's one of them things I can't change now I've done it. There's a lot of things that I'd, I'd change if I could. I suppose loads of people would, but yeah.
1: And you moved to Buxton. You said there that, you, that you, I wasn't aware of that, that you couldn't move to a team in the same league. But you you won promotion and, and won many friends, I think, at Buxton. You know how, how did it feel to win promotion again in, in your career?
2: Oh, uh, it was brilliant, and it couldn't have gone. Honestly, people might not believe this. Couldn't have gone any better as well with your getting promoted. Honestly, I was buzzing. I never once claimed that as a double promotion. <laughs> Even I would, I never would, but. I was just made up because it couldn't have gone any better. Going to Buxton for me in terms of football and family life, it was it was exactly what I needed. It's a great club, great fan base for the, the fans of Top draw. Everyone at the club volunteers. It's the same, same as every club. I love my time there. I was absolutely devastated about leaving recently. I hope they do start picking up results and, and stay up
1: Like I, I think there was a chance that you could have come back and played for York in the playoffs because of the way that the seasons were. Was that was that ever on the cards or was it, was it just... It, no, I never... It wasn't even spoken about and...
2: To be honest with you, I think the way the club was going and the way the lads were playing, if I'd have been asked, I'd have probably put it across as, I don't think it's right. They've got a chance of promotion. When I left, it was quite negative. Now, for me to come back in that environment, would it have helped? Could it have? No, it probably wouldn't have. And I wouldn't have gone in and played. I'd have gone in and trained, i had been a body, but the lads were doing well. Maxim and Sam Sanders, he'd come in and done really well, and then he had Matty Brown as well, but I think it wouldn't have been right, again, it's not. it wouldn't have been me refusing to play for the club, it had just been, I'd have probably had an honest conversation and said, realistically, is it the right thing to do? And no, it wouldn't have been, and I still think now it, 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 it was the right thing to do, because the club went and got promoted.
1: And, and I noticed and Bu- recently got to the FA Cup second round, where you played Ipswich Town, which I thought was quite a poignant thing for you given all that problem you had against playing at Switch Switzerland years ago did, did you ever finally got, your mind about there, to, yeah.
2: finally got to play at Portman Road yeah it was it was a great day out there's some side for the first five minutes we got in their box once or twice <laughs> we just sat in and we were hoping to get to half time at nil nil. and then maybe have a go and then they scored two goals in three minutes and it just killed it but we had a go as well as you can do against that type of calibre of player and what they've got at the helm um, they were a very good side some great players but it was a great day out, and obviously coming to the end the, the part of my career that I'm I i will not get many more days like that. I don't think and it was a yeah, it was it was great.
1: Yeah, the lad who got the third goal, I think Connor, someone, I can't remember what he's saying, was, but yeah, it was a great strike, wasn't it? I was watching it back earlier.
2: He was some player on the day, I and mean, Wes Burns as well, Them two were frightening. We had the young lad come in, his first ever competitive game from Bolton. He played left wing back. To be fair to the young lad, he was he done. We knew we had a player at our level because he done well. He, he just held his own as much as he could. But he, I bet you, I, I said to him, you'll have earned a lot, a lot from that game player against him. He was some player that Wes Burns, Jesus, couldn't half move.
1: Yeah, is it ex Fleetwood, I think, isn't he, West Burns? I, mean, I think in, uh, so, yeah. I think he was.
2: Related, I think there, was like, wow. he have, there was a lot of rumours that he should have went with the Wales squad Right. Um, yeah, to the World Cup. Yeah, that's what was getting said there, at our game. Because I think that's when the World Cup was on. Or just before. Uh, yeah, so that's the caliber but he was like him and Chapman were the interchanges and the one twos. It was just a different level, like.
1: And recently, you, you've moved on to Ashton United as assistant manager, and and you had a short spell, I think, leading Buxton as a sort of caretaker manager. Is that sort of you taking your your sort of steps into management to sort of look into that long term?
2: Yeah, I've al- I've always wanted to um. Even when I was injured for the four months at York, anything that i seen or thought I like could help, even with the lads, I, I did. And I loved that. I, I just sort of had a go at that side of it and watching other teams and the strengths and weaknesses and stuff. And, and then I got the opportunity to take charge with Josh Gannett, the captain, and we took Matlock and Peter Blair, and we won both games. And just from doing that, staying up to last two on a Thursday night watching Peter Blair play 90 minutes, my missus waking up saying, are you still watching that game? But then your plan working on a Saturday. It's a it's a strange feeling because it's different than playing. But I got the bug. I've definitely got the bug for it. It's definitely something I want to do. But I don't, I'm, a, I'm not ready to be a manager. I'd like to. I've gone there as player as assistant. It was strange because I think if it was just as a player, I don't think Buxton would have even entertained it. But I think because the chairman knew it was something I wanted to do, and he's a to, he's a top top man. I couldn't speak more highly of him. He said to me that it's possibly something that I should consider. He said, because I think a few clubs had asked the question about taking me with uh, Jamie Vermiglio resigning. He said, you're not going anywhere to play. But with the option of of player assistance, he said, I think it could be a good opportunity for you moving forward. So I had a chat and it was with the gaffer who took me to Buxton anyway. I I love my time with him. He's, He's brilliant. So I spoke to him and straight away I spoke to the chairman and asked him how to feel for the place and I just thought you know what it's too good of an opportunity to turn down and I've been in two weeks we've had every game called off or in terms of meeting people around the club training it's it's been I've loved it like so hopefully the game on Tuesday will be on.
1: And it's a bit of a York City old boys as well and I noticed that Jason Gilchrist is up front and Jack Mackay's playing for him as well isn't
2: he? Yeah them too and I think well Jack Redshaw was there last year as well yeah there is a few there's been a few past and there's a few there now playing yeah so. Hopefully we can maybe go on a bit of a run. Who knows, nick a playoff spot.
1: And I know you, you're, you're kind of you know, closer to all the end of your playing career, but but sort of looking back on, on your playing career so far to this point, it, who would you say was the best sort of player you played with and against?
2: Played with was Paddy McCourt. I was at Notts County. he come in and honestly, you'd do possession and he'd keep the ball on his own. You could probably do 16 players against him and the ball just wouldn't leave his feet. I remember some games... I'd be like, wow, he's a legend at Celtic, isn't he? He's, he's, he was unbelievable. And I'd probably seen him at the latter end of his career as well. And then a player I played against. I remember playing Man City in a preseason friendly. And it was it was Nigel De Jong. They had him and Rocky Santa Cruz playing. Them two were just another level. Diff- it was crazy. He was looking one way and hitting the ball the other. And the player who was at the ball who didn't have to change direction to control it. It was just... And the way he hit the ball... I remember playing Stoke as well. Charlie Adam at Liverpool as a fan, you do. I didn't ever think he was he was that good playing against them. I was like, wow, he hits a ball his left foot. I've never heard the ball make connection with a foot like it. It was ridiculous. And then you've got people like us at our level who think we've got good technique or can hit a ball, and then you compare it to them. It's it's just scary how good, how different the level is. But yeah, I'd say best against Santa Cruz or. Nigel De Jongham, best player I've played with is
1: Paddy McCourt. And who was your sort of best manager of your career? Or who who's the sort of manager you think, if you do eventually go into management, will have the most sort of influence on your style? Do you know what? I I'd say
2: Even the bad, I'd take a bit from everyone. And even just, for instance, even going back to the Sam Collins part, when I took charge at Buxton, I made sure that, because there was a couple of lads that had been playing on the old gaff, the manager, that weren't going to play, I weren't going to play. So I just thought, would I have maybe come to terms with the process a lot easier if he'd have phoned me or pulled me days before instead of changed my mind. Instead of just putting a team sheet on the board and I'm not involved, if he'd have explained it to me. I think you've got to take bits from everyone. But in terms of Gary Mills is up there. And again, I know people, I remember seeing things like, lads were drunk every Friday for games. It was, honestly, it was never, ever like that. Did one or two players at times take it too far yeah, and they never played. They never played again. It was literally team bonding. Was in a pub. Yeah, was it ideal? Probably not. And it was literally have one or two pints if you want. If you don't want, don't. If you can't do that, don't. It wasn't, Go on. There's a free bar open. Go and go and get it as drunk as you want. It was never like that. But big John parker probably could have four or five pints in play. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't affect them. And some of the, some of the other other players were older than that at that time. But then obviously there was some players who then decided to. Take it too far, but then that just becomes with having respect for the club, the manager, what the rules are, and if you don't abide by them, then then
1: then players were gone; they didn't play again. But again, you know, I always think that that, that is by association. You know, I'm sure Gary Mills didn't have any different sort of team bonding in 2012 than he did when you no. guys were relegated from he National league. Day North, Day it Day just Day happens Day to Day. be that that you know, if you're winning, people don't mention it, and if you if you get beat, people do. I listened
2: to John Parkins' podcast with Jackie McNamara the other day, and I heard Parkham say, and I, I, I think he was 100% right as well. Whenever we went and played skittles and darts, we never lost away from home. And I swear, when I come to the club, they haven't won away for 24 games, because I remember being told that all the time. We've not won away for ages. We've not won away for ages. So it's it's a weird one, because when, when the chips are down and you're not winning, it's easy to say that's why it's the wrong. But we I don't think we lost away from home. So yeah. then is it working? It's weird. Obviously, is it that's what I mean? Lads weren't going and getting drunk. It was if you can have a pint or two, because let's be honest, if we're going back 15 years ago, players did they probably have a pint or two or a glass of wine on Friday? That's totally gone out of the game you now, completely. And I think that's why it's frowned upon so much. It's never as bad as what's been put out there.
1: And, and you mentioned earlier about, about you know, you had some regrets over your career. I just wondered whether you have any regrets of not sort of having the opportunities to play higher. I mean, you, you played League One, I think, for Notts County on loan. You know, with with your ability, do you ever sort of think miss out on certain moves or certain things didn't happen in your career where where you could have could have played a bit higher? There was a there
2: was a couple, yeah, but I I could have went to League Two instead of Wrexham. But I thought Wrexham's the the club I could have went to. Wrexham were a bigger club, and it was I didn't have to I didn't have to move. So. I could have tested myself one or two times, and then obviously the Motherwell one in the SPL. Who knows what would have happened playing there for a couple of seasons. The only one I look back on that I think would have been a good would have been good to experience is, is that just for the Celtic and Rangers games and yeah, competing at a proper like a top, maybe getting into Europe and you know just stuff like that. That is the only one I look back on and think, I think wonder what would have happened if if it if it went there. Do you know what I mean? But apart from that, it's, I don't know. It's 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 one of them, isn't it. Insight in it because you could have gone to them and then watch Wrexham could have gone and got promoted and promoted again or I could have went to files and York stayed in the conference and then went to League Two the next year. It's all in hindsight, isn't it? Whether yeah. you
1: think it's wrong or right. And if you'd have gone to Motherwell, I might not have got you on this podcast. You know, to talk about your five years at York. So <laughs> every cloud. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, Sean, it's been great to speak. To you and I, I, you know, I hope you've, you've kind of enjoyed looking back at the, the good and the bad, and, and a chance for you to sort of say your side of the events with things.
2: Yeah, it's been a pleasure, mate. Honestly, yeah, really grateful that you asked me to come on, and I'm buzzing to see the club back. The stadium full looks unbelievable, and you never know this year the playoffs are on. I think for, for the lads, you have got a great squad, great group of players. Obviously, Alex Whittle's back there, and they've got the players that were there from last year. I do find, I do fancy if they got a few wins and the fans are on it. Because when the fans are on it, they, you can't compete with it. You've I've seen it towards the end of last season. And who knows what can happen again this year.
1: Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're getting the playoffs and uh, Ashton he might make a, a late charge for it as well.
2: Oh, it'll be nice to see both in the playoffs, yeah. Thanks again. All right, nobody's going take care.
1: massive thank you to Sean Newman there for giving up his time and hope people enjoyed that apologies this, this episode has come significantly later than the other ones I mean, it was just work commitments came at the wrong time for me and um, I always pride myself on making sure the episodes are 100% finished and ready to go I don't kind of put them out if they're, they're kind of half done so hopefully that was uh, worth the wait and hopefully people have enjoyed the series I've, I really enjoyed putting it together and I want to say thank you to the many people who have um, helped promote it along the way so um, Radio York asking me to go on and speak with them. Michael, as ever at Y Front, allowing me to kind of write in the fanzine and also for his kind of uh, retweets and and support. Gabriel at the Evening Press as well, and and I apologize if we missed anyone else out, but pretty much for the kind of um, York City fan base, really just sharing any promos, Spreading the word, commenting how much they've liked certain episodes—all of it. Honestly, I know I kind of repeat myself, but all of it makes a massive, massive difference to us. And ultimately, the, the more kind of episodes we get downloaded, the more people are interested in sponsoring, and the more people, pe- uh, more people donate. And uh, you know, that's what it's all about. Your hospital radio is in its uh, 59th year. Big celebrations planned next year for the 60th anniversary. But you know, they're providing a service in uh, in hospital for patients in there and times are tough the NHS is, is um, struggling and you know we, we do our little bit to try and help patients who are in hospital so if you're able to donate you've enjoyed this series you've enjoyed any of the episodes please do just giving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio or if you think you know I'd quite like to sponsor future episodes future series then then you know do get in touch DM me on, on Twitter or Facebook or come and, come and see us on the gantry um, when we're commentating for York Hospital Radio you know we're always kind of there before kick off and half time me and Paul always like to speak with people and hear what their thoughts are on the game. So, you know, we're, we're always kind of available to, to come and speak to and to like to hear from anyone who, who wants to kind of get involved with the podcast really. terms of going forward I'll hopefully do another series I've definitely got um, some contacts I want to to follow up on want to do a few more kind of specials or things are a little bit different uh, but there'll be kind of more things on that when I've got them in place normally for me podcast comes I put a lot of effort into putting them together and and then kind of have a bit of a break so that, that's the kind of situation I'm in at the minute but you know I'm hopeful we'll, we'll be back it's been a very successful series lots and lots of downloads I think we did 2500 last month which is up there with some of the best figures we've had charting and in numerous countries again which again is really kind of um, pleasing to see. The Switzerland chart is, is a new one whether that's uh, people a lot of people have got VPNs uh, pointing towards Zurich I don't know but um, but it was quite a, quite a nice email to get to say that your uh, your podcast has charted in the top 100 in in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Just finally, uh, as I normally do at the end of each series, is to to thank James Charters. Uh, He's the guy working behind the scenes, editing, producing the podcasts, making me sound relatively competent. So I always like to to thank him. And and also Keith Lee, who uh, for the episodes with Dennis Smith and Andy Lean, we recorded them live in the studio and he was the one who who kind of uh, produced those episodes. So big thank you to those two. I can't do podcasts without those those people. And uh, for Paul doing the little... um, intros as he normally does at the start of each episode so thanks to all those people, it's a massive team effort, thank you for listening and, and hopefully we'll do some more series soon.